When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Craig Burley and Stevie Nicola are alongside me, Kay Murray, in the studio. Alessandro Del Piero will be joining us a little later on as well to talk about the current situation in the Serie A. But we will begin in the Premier League, where there was some Friday night football between Chelsea and Fulham. The game finished nil-nil. We got to see start for Enzo Fernandes following his big money move. Michalo Mudrik made his first start for Chelsea as well. But in the end, despite all the money spent, Chelsea couldn't find the back of the net. Let's welcome in Frank LeBoff to talk more about it. But let me start with you, Craig. They have spent 300 million in the recent winter transfer window and still no goals for this Chelsea. Well, it looks like a team that one have got, and you can see where they are in the league. They're just, they've just, they're in ninth now. I think they were in tenth. But they look like a team that won, and it's no surprise. Players coming back from injury. New signings coming in the door. It's like one gigantic jigsaw. And I read somewhere else in the last 48 hours that one of the other executives was dispatched to Italy to try and get Sofian Amrabat in the door. They almost got him in as well. I mean, Graham Potter's like, holy God. I mean, yeah, he's got a lot to pick from. But, but yeah, look, Fernandez looked... Well, Stevie and I were talking about it. He said, well, you should do for 100 odd million. Yeah. But, you know, he's only just got <laughs> off a flight. So it's not easy. Yeah. I mean, getting to know everybody coming in. Mount's not playing at his best. I don't think Gallagher, honestly, I think he'll be a squad player there eventually. And as, as good as Modric looked at Liverpool when he came off the bench, he looked really sharp and everything, he hardly got a kick because Tete was going the other way. And Fulham looked like a team who have been coached under Marco Silva. You know, they closed the ball down well, they got into second balls, they looked dangerous, the full-backs get forward. But Chelsea looked and still look like a side, Stevie, that is kind of just, it's cobbled together. And that you can see that in the play. It's not just up front. It, it's the whole, it's the whole thing. Uh, Frank Craig mentioned this, the fact that we saw Ziyech in the starting 11 for Chelsea today after he almost went to PSG. Were you surprised with that decision? I was, but I was... Uh pleased by the decision because I think it was a very good move from Graham Potter to make sure that uh, that Ziyech is back to, to the business and uh, and uh, really focus on what he has to do and uh, to put him in the, in the team selection um, put, put, put him back on track and, uh, and uh, that was a good idea except that uh, Ziyech's game wasn't as good as uh, we all expected. That was pretty awful except one, one pass that the that he made, but I, I wasn't I wasn't surprised by uh, by uh, Graham Potter's decision, and I think it was a, it was a good thing. But is he part? I, I don't, don't see I, that. Or, I, I, how's that? I mean, so so was Zayic on his way out because of who? Exactly. So if Zayic is on his way out, I would assume normally in a normal place that's because the manager doesn't want him. So if, if Zayic is on a plane and is sitting in Paris waiting to sign for, for another side, I would assume, rightly so, that the manager's not interested. So why is he playing 
when they make a mess of the paperwork. So clearly, Potter's not in charge there. Of course. Or else, maybe, <laughs> I'll go the other way and say, he didn't have a choice. I looked, as soon as I saw Zayce was playing, I had to scratch my head and get on and look and see who was injured. And actually, that's the reason Zayce was playing. Because Sterling wasn't ready to play 90 minutes and there was nobody else because of the injuries they've got. So that's why Zayce played. And he actually played as though he realises that. Yes, he had that one ball that he played for Havertz. But before that, and unfortunately for Chelsea going forward, everything was going down that right-hand side with him. You know, as bad as Mudric was, he never got a kick. So if you don't get a kick, you can't really do anything anyway. But Zayic, on the other hand, some reason got all the ball, but did absolutely zero with it other than that one thing. So Chelsea are just in a model. And Craig started off by saying, we shouldn't be surprised, because really we shouldn't. You saw the difference between the two sides. There's, Fulham don't have anybody who's worth 120 million, right? In fact, you probably have to sell four or five of Fulham's players in order to, to bring in 120 million. But they played like a unit. They played like a team. They played like a group that's been together for a, for a good period of time and they know exactly what they're doing, what they're trying to do. They understand where everybody is, where the, where the positives are, the negatives. They're a real team. Chelsea's not. And Chelsea's not because it's impossible uh, to throw that many players together and expect them to be anything other than a, li a little shambolic. Go on, Frank. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's quite normal. I think people who, who thought that everything would work perfectly and we would see a change, you know, after the first game of some players and some new signings are, are the best, you know, dreamers or are the worst, you know, uh, know nothing about football. That you, the chemistry that you have to find, you find it in the dressing room, you find it in the training session. It doesn't come like that, like uh, uh, magic. And, uh, and it's about, you know, working hard together, going through many good things or bad things to, uh, to, to get that. And we all know that because we've, been, we've, gone, we've gone through that. And, uh, and Chelsea is the same as before because there, there is no creativity. I think Graham Potter doesn't know what is his best team selection, which is on top normal because of the amount of players were just signed. And, uh, and uh, it's, uh, as Stevie says, it's a big shamble because, because there are too many players, because they don't know what to do. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to talk about the people who, are, who qualify for the, for the Champions League. When I see that Benoit Badiachil is not qualified for Champions League, where he's been uh, in the team selection from, since the beginning, since he signed, I, I wonder what's wrong with, uh, with Graham Potter or somebody else, you know, when they put two forward, three forwards signing, just signing, uh, qualify for the Champions League, uh, putting Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is quite normal, but putting Badia Shield out of it, I don't get it. So it's a big mess. I don't know when they're going to sort everything out, but the sooner the better, really. I mean, go, I'll go back to that. I, mean, I think what we'll see eventually, if, if in if N'Golo Kante or when Zachariah comes back is we might see Enzo Fernandez pushing a little further forward than, than where he was today. But going back to that point about what Frank was talking about, Badia Shield, I mean, this just doesn't make any sense. Koulibaly's been out of form. Yeah, he's got Champions League experience, but he's not in the side. He's not in the side. Badia Shield's playing in the Premier League. You know, if he thinks he's, <laughs> he's playing him to get results in the Premier League, I would imagine that means his first choice 
in the Champions League, but yet he's not registered because they could only register, I think, three players. I mean, Obama Yang, yeah, he's not kicked the ball. So they're doing this just to keep every, to keep the three big names happy. Or is it, is, it, is it a football decision? Because if it's a football decision, I'm with you. It makes no sense. Because he's playing them. He's playing at the moment. Why would, you know, the, so it's not a football decision. But, so has there been reassurances when they've brought these big names in? Enzo Fernandes, well, it has to be. Felix, yeah, but Joe Felix is on loan. Okay, okay, Joe Felix is on loan. He's not even a signing. So he's on the three players that they registered where he's on loan. He's going to go back to Atleti or he's going to go somewhere else where Badiashil just signed a contract for eight years. So it doesn't make any sense that you don't keep the player who's already selected, who knows the club and is going to be one of your most important players for the next eight years. So why do you register Joe Felix? Do you register three forward players or you don't register at least one defender? That's crazy. It just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's not all, normal, it, is it? No, it just... <laughs> it, 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 see, it, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is not what happened, but it almost seems to be... It almost seems to me it's so... It's so strange doing this to a player who's currently one of your two best centre-backs, right? It's like it's like saying, OK, I'm in the Champions League, so I'm going to weaken my team by not registering this player, I'm going to play an out-of-form player. It's almost like Todd Bowley or the other, the other cronies that are involved behind the scenes have came down to this coaching staff and said, we've registered X, Y and Z. And Graham Potter must sit there going, what? I mean, otherwise... But then again, again, the the counter-argument is this team needs to score goals from somewhere. So are they doing this because they know that although Koulibaly's not playing in the Premier League, they can play him in the Champions So you're not going to take the risk on Aubameyang if you need to score goals? I I I I tell you what, if I was Chelsea now, I'd get him out the door, which is not going to happen. A waste of time. Nothing adds up. Absolute waste of time. Nothing, nothing at this club adds up. And I saw these two guys sitting next to Todd Bowley today. They're the, they're the new recruitment sporting directors, whatever, you know, uh, Paul Winstanley and another person. And I can only imagine there's like an internal competition to, to impress the bosses <laughs> with players. That's what it seems. That's what it seems like to me. I, I'm, people keep saying, wow, this is for down the line. This is going to be great. How many, I, want to, I would actually like to know how many first-team players they have, down to, the, down to the, the exact numbers that were sitting in the dressing room that are available to, whenever he's fit, available to Graham Potter, and then say, how the hell is he going to manage this scenario if they don't get players out the door? I think it's 39. I think it's 39 yeah. they have. Yeah. I think I mean, let's, let's not forget yeah, Chelsea yeah. over the years were stockpiling all these players and loaning them out. I mean, I, I don't know. Look, I might be wrong, but Graham Potter, I, I, this is not an ideal way to build a side, I don't think. Did, did we see today, we've been talking a lot about him having to find the way to make those pieces fit and if they're going to gel. Did we see today that that's what he is doing and he doesn't know how he's going to do it just yet? Because surely if you're going to continue, if you're going to try to get results, actually, to start stringing a good run together, doesn't, doesn't it need to be a side that's consistently almost the same 11 each week. Yeah, within reason, yeah. The back four. You know, Reece bonus for them that Reese James was back. Yeah. Uh, it went off after an hour, but that was no more than making sure he's not out for another few weeks. Uh, I still think left-back's an issue for it at the moment because Chelwell's out. I'm, I'm not... 
I'm not overly impressed with Cucurella. 60 million. I mean, if he came in in a free transfer and I went, oh, he's done all right, 60 million. I haven't seen him put a cross in. I haven't seen him <laughs> go, you know. We saw Anthony Robertson today, the US international, who looks a lot yeah. more dangerous on the left side. Uh, good player, fast, little bit raw at times. But Cucurella, you know, Gallagher's, Gallagher did well at Palace. But look, I think eventually, there was talk about him going to Newcastle, I think eventually he'll go and play down a rung or two at another Premier League club. And Mason Mount at the moment is a good player. He's just not quite on the form. Well, he's, he's quite a way off the form that he was. And Havertz is up. I mean, I think we've got to stick up for Potter, though, haven't we? I mean, let's be honest. It's not like he's had any period of time at all with a list of players and he's been able to go right. The, the, this is the 11 or this is the 15 or whatever it is I'm going to rely I'm going to work with them every single minute of every day and we're going to get patterns of play down and we're going to get this done he's never been able to do that with the injuries with the new signings with all the nonsense around the club he's never had a chance to do that so you know if they go and lose the next two games 3-0 and he gets the sack he's going to have to be thinking or anybody's going to think who could have done any better because because the coach hasn't had a chance to do anything. But still, Frank, he's going to have to find some way quickly to find his best team because he needs wins. Yeah, he, he needs because he, he uh, is the coach of uh, one of the biggest clubs in the world and, uh, and um, people are impatient. I can follow some fans, you know, on uh, Instagram and I feel the pressure. It's, and uh, after that game, some people say, OK, OK, now we have the players so, and we don't see improvement, so Potter's out. Yeah, well, that's people who obviously don't really know, understand football and how it works. And I completely with Stevie, with all injuries and, and, and signing and people going and leaving, coming and leaving, he never had the, the chance to, to settle down and to, and to create something and to show us that, that he can be successful at Chelsea. But as you say, Kay, he won't have the time. So we'll have to, you know, make sure he put the best that he can get, that Rhys James and Shieldwell is going to go back into fitness ASAP because uh, it will need them, because we don't want to see Kukurela anymore. I mean, I, uh, with all due respect for the man that I don't know, uh, the player is not good enough for Chelsea. We are, it's as simple as that, you know. And uh, that's crazy that they signed him for 60 or 70 million. Uh, but we can see that uh, it doesn't belong to that, uh, that level for me. Uh, but otherwise, you have the players that you can find. And if they can train and they are, they are in the right frame of mind, they can go better. But they will have to score goals. That's crazy. Six goals, I think, in, uh, in uh, 11 or 12 games. I mean, that's cr absolutely horrendous. And um, that's something we'll have to sort out very, very quickly. We saw little glimpses, or quite a lot of glimpses, at, at Craven Cottage of Joao Felix and what he might bring. And he's, he's now served his suspension, I believe, so he's available. And boy, they need somebody to come in there. It just does little... Doesn't necessarily be you know, in the game all the time, but just pops up with little bits of quality, balls through, and you saw Modric making a run in the first half, trying to use his pace, and, and I think it was Mount trying to play the ball, and it was an awful ball, it got cut out. Just somebody that can come in and link these sort of pacey players together, and, and, and as Frank said, get in the box and start scoring some goals. I mean, yes, Kai Havertz scored that great goal for them in the Champions League, but, you know, a couple of years ago, but, but come on, you're not... A, you're not hanging your hat on saving your job 
on him taking his chances. He'll get the odd one, the odd header, the odd finish, but we saw again today, you know, he just hasn't got that clinical finisher's instinct that they need. But yeah, I can only imagine Graham Potter sitting in the UK watching Sky Sports and the ticker going across, sitting <laughs> going, oh my God, we've signed another three. Oh my God, I won't be home tonight, dear, because I've got to wait here and meet all the, I've got to meet all the new players. So people it's outside... not one of them is a centre for People outside the club think sometimes <laughs> this is a great thing. Scorer. You know, people on the outside think this is a great thing sometimes. You know, oh, we just spend money, we sign players, lots of them. It ain't as simple as that. It's, it's, it's like a building process with your squad. And that usually takes time. We, we always talk about, you know, teams like Real Madrid, they're, they're perennial winners because they have a way of playing and they've got talent. And they've got so many match winners that on any given day, there's four or five of them that'll turn around and score the winning goal. But that only happens because they're in, they're in a unit and they're in a team. Because you've seen with Chelsea, if you look at the names on the back of the jersey, there's plenty of talent. But there's no unit and there's no team. And you know who's ahead of you and behind you and at Real Madrid. Yeah, I mean, they just, they, they, they don't, they have no real idea of what's coming or going, or what's happening, ne what's previously gone and what's going to happen next. So, so as good as individuals as they may be, they're not able to produce anything because the, their head's not in the game. So let's go back to the Champions League squad because Christian Pulisic has been registered as well for this squad. He's injured until, what is it, mid-March? What do you make of that? Right decision, Frank? Um, well, I don't know when he's going to be back. If he's back on time, yeah, it could be a good decision. But you can see the names in the midfielders and you say when he will have a chance to be involved. Except if there are some injuries of red cards. Uh, but otherwise, no, I'm sorry, Polisic won't be involved. Because of the season that he had so far, it will need some time to... Uh, to, uh, to recover, to get back into fitness. And we are talking about Champions League. We are talking about crazy games where you have to be at the best of the best. And, uh, and I'm not sure that season Christian Pulisic, Pulisic uh, can be at the same level as supposedly some others. So no, he's not going to play. So is it a wasted place then? Well, you look at that list, right? We, we were talking about Badia Shield. Now, I don't know about UK, but I thought him and him and Silva looked really good today. Yeah, he's been playing. So you've got yeah. you've got half a dozen midfielders where you could pick any one of them or two of them and put them aside. And it would be more important having Badia Shield. <laughs> but you don't. Sure. Why is it, what? So again, we're back we're back to what we've been talking about. Who's running things there? Who's making the decisions? Mm. Because all the decisions seem to be the wrong ones. And it's one thing to make a wrong decision, because we've all made b wrong decisions, but to do it time after time after time, and every single time you make a decision, it's the wrong one. What is going on? I mean, look, Chelsea are not going to win the Champions League, right? I would imagine not, the way, certainly not the way they're playing. Uh, but I'd still, I'd love to hear Graham Potter an explanation about why you would leave out uh, one of your starting centre-halves, has been for a few games now. I'd like, like to, him, to hear his explanation on it, about what, 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 
what the what? mindset, what the thinking was behind it. I don't know, and or whether I, I doubt he'd come out and I mean I'm, I'm sure he would own it, but I'm, you know it, sounds, it just looks to me as if somebody else might have shoehorned them into making that because that's his strongest team at the moment. That's his strongest back line. You know, Rhys James back, Thiago Silva's been the best player, Koulibaly's been pretty average by his standards, Badia Shield comes in as a youngster, has done really well, looks good, left-sided uh, centre-back, and then he's not in the squad, it, it just doesn't really make much sense. How long do you think Potter's got? I'd like to think he's got all the way through to the summer and sort this out, because it's, it's quite frankly, having that many at one time is a bit of a mess. Uh... I'd like to think he's going to get that, that time to, to, as Stevie said, to work with everybody. But he's going to have to get just some, just some results in the meantime. The problem... To, I don't know. I agree with you, right? But the problem is, in order for that to happen, a common sense decision would have to be made for that to happen. And it's not something so far that anybody at Chelsea has been able to do, is make any sort of common sense decision. So the writing seems to be on the wall. So that's one game down in the Premier League weekend ahead. Plenty more to come and a few to look out for as well. Sean Dyche's Everton side will be taking on Arsenal. And then we're going to see Spurs against City again. It wasn't too long ago that we saw City come back and beat them 4-2. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that encounter. A lot of FA Cup fourth round replays coming up on ESPN+. Plus. Make sure to join us also on ESPN2 for Sheffield United against Wrexham. Heartbreak for Wrexham at the end of that game. Can they make the replay count? Make sure to check out all of these games on ESPN+. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Here's a look at how things are shaping up in the Serie A right now. Inter are second and Milan are fifth, but only two points separate the two sides ahead of the Derby della Madonnina. It is the Milan derby on Sunday. Taking a look at the odds going into this one. 
Obviously, these two sides met in the Super Cup just two weeks ago. Inter won that game 3-0. Let's now welcome in Alessandro Del Piero to talk more about it. Welcome in, Ale. Milan are not in a good way at the moment, it is fair to say, isn't it? It has been one of their worst runs in recent memory. What do you think that's down to? And would a win in the derby solve their issues? Ciao, Kate. Ciao, everyone. I mean, this is a really bad January for, uh, for Milan. After that 2-2 uh, against Roma, when they were up 2-0 and they finished 2-2 in the last second because Roma scored a goal in the last minute, what happened to Milan? I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's something very new because, you know, uh, so many losses and, and especially many goals conceded. The 13 goals in the last four, three games. That is a lot. So they, they have an injury problem, they, they have no energy, and they lost against Inter the Super Cup in Riyadh, where, where I was there. And uh, actually, I saw completely two different teams. You know, uh, Inter, very tonic, very in the game, uh, with, a, with a lot of uh, emphasis, a lot of. Uh, spirit in order to to win the game and Milan like a friendly game you know and they play season uh, uh, so that's is very unusual moment for them and the last loss again against a swallowed home for 5-2 is was kind of embarrassing and this is a uh, you know you, you you facing the derby is, is the best moment to to show the world that uh, you know, it's 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 not uh, like like you see till now, but the problem that uh, Milan has uh, are a lot. With what you saw, then, do you think it's Inter who are going to win this one again? Well, yes, I don't want to say for sure because uh, in, in in soccer and football, nothing is for sure. But definitely, Inter is approaching the game with uh, with so much confidence, you know, and. Uh, Inzaghi is putting together a team that is very strong and very uh, forward in, in terms of mentality. Uh, I believe that uh, Lukaku is going to play with the Lautaro in the, in the derby, so it's a big return for, for Lukaku and to show all the world that you know he deserves to be here because till now he didn't have so many opportunity to, to show his performances. Meanwhile, Napoli have been in incredible form. Look at that, 13 points clear at the top of the table. But do you think they can go far in the Champions League this season? Because it's fair to say that no side wants to face this version of Napoli. Well, it depends uh, if the magic is still going for the next uh, three, four months. Because in this moment, Napoli doesn't have one, and I'll say one, point of weakness you know they show even in the last game you know they show not only great football like usually they do they they win the game they they were focused they were strong they were determined and as Spalletti say at the end of the game you know it's it's very particular moment when you feel that everybody not only the players but the club the the the, the Everyone that works with Napoli now have the focus on the game. So that is a magical moment that actually Napoli is doing for a while now. So they have a big possibility to win against Eintracht Frankfurt. I know a lot of the Neapolitans themselves will say they're very superstitious, but are they right to be celebrating <laughs> right now? That's quite yeah. the lead, isn't it? The title race has to be over, Ale. 
Well, it's it's been it's been a lot of years now that Napoli reached the top during the league, Italian league, and then the fall because one time was Juve, one time was Milan, one time was Inter. But actually, this year, uh, besides the superstition that you know all the Napoli fans we're gonna do we're gonna do it, but uh, besides that, I, I think they have a really a, a strong momentum now. And if they keep going with this momentum during the Champions League, that the only thing that you know they can uh, it can distract them from from the Italian league, uh, they have a really big chance to win the title. Let's talk about the chance of holding on to Victor Ossiman because there's a lot of interest around this player, and understandably so. He's been linked with Manchester United. Do you think Napoli can keep hold of him this summer? I hope so. I hope for, for Napoli, I hope for the Italian league. But the reality is another one, uh, unfortunately for uh, every Italian fans. The Premier League has so much powerful and money that it's very hard to say no. And uh, like happened in the past, uh, the club, Napoli, uh, they're quite happy to sell some players for big, big money like it happened in the past. It doesn't matter if it uh, was uh, Iguain at Juve for 90 million euros. So it's big money. And if they brought the same money for Ozyman, uh, I don't think they can keep it. Oh dear. Well, there's been a lot of talk about the Premier League spending, particularly in this winter transfer window. Is there a concern backing Italy that they're getting left behind with the fact that the Premier League can spend money like this? Oh, we are already behind. In terms of economics, we are really behind uh, the Premier League. There's no point that uh, through that way you, you can win something. The only way that you can win in the Champions League or Europa League is with other quality and that Napoli show these qualities now uh, the way that they play football it's unique and probably the best in, in Europe now so they showed you in the Champions League group stage beating everybody for four or five goals so uh, you know when you create something special like this and uh, unique like this this is actually the only way that you can you can go forward and have a possibility to win much more, especially in Europe. This is a tough one now because we're going to talk about Juventus's current situation, points oh deduction, God. lots of talk about European football and where they're left now in 13th in the table after that points deduction. Do you think we're going to see some of the star players wanting to leave because of these problems, Ale? Because, you know, you've got players like Dusan Vlavic who likely joined Juve to win trophies, to play in the Champions League. Do you think we're going to see some players starting to leave the team? You know, Kate, the fact is the, the big problem for Juventus now is not only what happened to now, but it's what they're going to face in the next months because there's a few more things that they're going to face in terms of uh, that can possibly become less point uh, in the stand. So. That's the, the the main thing for, for for you know wait till the the end of of the of the league until June and see what's going to happen the final decision what is the final position for Juve uh, and 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 move from there. I mean, these players uh, they have market for sure they have value big value. Besides that, they're not doing an incredible year this year, but 
then you could to consider that Juve is a very big team, not only in Italy, it's everywhere. So I think for any decision that they're going to make or the club going to make, I hope, I really hope that they can stay and they can come back next year with that energy that uh, also, especially this failure moment or this bad moment can bring you. Uh, you know, you can keep it with you, that that motivation, and then you show the next year, and uh, you can be really stronger the next year. But, uh, you know, if you, if you don't reach the Champions League uh, or the Europa League, uh, it's going to be difficult to stay for every player that have uh, the possibility to play that competition at a high level. On the bigger picture as well with this situation at Juventus, Alessandro, how damaging is it? How damaging is it to Italian football? It's it's a big damage. Um, I don't want to. I, I hope nothing's going to happen more. But it's very difficult that the situation going to stay like this. To be honest, uh, nothing's going to happen more than this because you know it's already difficult. Uh, the situation you're facing as Italian clubs facing the big power of Premier League or the big team like Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid, or Bayern Munich, you know, in every country there's, yeah, there's a, a team that can spend a lot of money. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not going to be easy uh, for sure, but uh, the last time that happened something like this was 2006 when I was there and after that year the Italian League collapsed uh, because we, we, we led Juventus in Serie B and uh, many teams with uh, problems. And uh, other teams, of course, around the world, around Europe, especially Premier League, they have a chance to, to grow and to bring the players of Juve. So I really hope nothing's going to happen so bad to feel the same, the same situation, not only for Juventus, and Juventus fan, uh, but for Italian fans in general, because the league is going to be stronger with Juve there. Ale, you've been through a difficult situation with Juve. You stuck with them through the difficult times. For the players that do that, how will it be received by the Juve fans in Italy? Oh, it's not only Juve fans. When you when you make some decision like this, uh, you you gain the respect of everyone, every fans, because, you know, every, every fans want to see the best player of this team, of all the players of this team, stay with the club no matter what. So they're going to have so much love and respect forever. Let's talk a little bit about Paul Pogba then, because there have been reports that Juve could cancel his contract. What do you make of those reports? Well, from my point of view, it's only rumours. Uh, it's, it's been a difficult season for Paul till now and for Juve in general. So I think because Paul wants to stay and because love, uh, Juve loves him, so... For me, there's no point that something can change. So for me, it's still only rumours for the moment. 
A lot more talk about all the latest stories from Italy over on our YouTube page. We thank Alessandro Del Piero. Thank you so much for giving us that insight into the Serie A right now. Head on over to ESPN FC and click subscribe while you're there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Julian Nagelsmann is not buying the news of Kylian Mbappe not being available for the first leg Champions League clash with Bayern. He said, I don't think he'll be missing against Bayern, so I expect nothing else. I don't know what he has, so I assume he will play. It is a bit vague on their homepage, PSG's homepage that is, saying he would be out for up to three weeks. If there is no structural injury, I can't see him missing the game. It is too early to say already now that he won't play if there is no structural injury. Frank LeBoff, what do you make of this? Well, I think he's right. I saw the, uh, the, the action and I first saw that, uh, I first thought that uh, because he missed the two penalty, he was fed up and he decided to leave the pitch and he said, okay, I'm injured and bye-bye. Uh, well, I want to believe that he's really injured. Uh, but I want to believe that he's going to be fit against Bayern Munich because in this specific uh, picture image, uh, I don't see anything special, you know. He's complaining about a kick, maybe a knee against knee, but I don't see him being, I don't believe it. So I don't buy it uh, and I don't buy it because I want to see him playing the first leg against Bayern Munich. So hopefully he's not really that injured. So is PSG, I'm sorry, is Nagelsmann trying to imply that PSG are trying to trick them or surprise them here? Well, they'll know when the team sheet comes in, won't he? I always say that to people. Don't worry about things you can't change. I don't get this. What's the trick? He's either, you know, he's either in or, he, he's, either in or he's out. Nagelsmann's not going to change his team for Kylian Mbappe because they ain't playing well enough anyway. So he's got to, <laughs> look, True. he's got to worry about what his side are doing, because that ain't been very good since the Bundesliga restarted. He can't affect whether he's injured or not. I mean, I, 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 this, is like, this is like kid stuff, isn't it? Going on websites to see if, you're, if a player's injured. 
How does he know what it said on the homepage? Well, there's been, it's been widely reported that Mbappe will not face Bayern Munich in the first leg for PSG because and of this injury. Well, well, he won't play then. Oh, your life. So then for, for him to say this... Say what? For him, for Nagelsmann to say that he doesn't believe it... Well, but so of course he doesn't believe it. Do you, do you believe it? So why did PSG put this information out oh, there, because then? Because they're playing the game. What a lot. In fact, I, don't, I actually don't understand what Nagel is going on about. No, All no. he's got to do is start laughing and say, don't be silly, he's playing, and that's it. They're playing games. I mean, why I mean come on, really? Structural stuff. For, and... No, what a lot of nonsense. <laughs> He'll get a whiff of it a couple of days before. Yeah. I mean, this is kit, honestly. It's like it Frank, oh. can PSG beat Bayern without Kylian Mbappe? Uh, yes, they can. Yes, they can because there are players around. You know, we can do the can do the job. But uh, a fantastic uh, uh, Mbappe that day. Uh, can be un unstoppable, so it's going to be, well, let's say, easier if I can use that uh, with Mbappe than without him. Uh, but anyway, it's only the first leg. You have two legs and, uh, and you have to make sure you, uh, you go through. That's the only thing which counts. But uh, um, without Mbappe, it's going to be harder. That's for sure for Paris Saint-Germain. So I can't remember off the top of my head. Is the first leg in Munich? First leg's in Paris. Okay. Paris. They've still got a couple of players called Neymar and Messi, haven't they? Well, there has been some question mm -hmm. over Neymar's ankle. Is there? Has uh, Nagelsmann been on the homepage? And talked about structural injuries? I mean, I don't know, maybe. You know, it's, 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 it's cutting-edge data analysis going on a website to see if a player's injured or not. Uh, I don't see the big deal about... No, not about killing Mbappe, because, of course, he's, you're much more of a threat when Mbappe's there, particularly... Particularly in Munich, away from home second leg when, you know, Bayern would be more on the front foot being at home and you hit that pace over the top. But I go back to the point, it's not like Bayern Munich are absolutely flying and if PSG are not at full strength, it's a problem. Bayern can't win a game, can't defend, uh, haven't played well and there's been talk, strangely enough, in Germany that if it continues... He might not be in a job. So, I, yeah, it would be a blow for PSG, but it's not like they're playing Bayern who are absolutely flying at the moment. Who's going through in that tie? Well, PSG are not playing particularly well either. Uh, good grief. I'm going to say PSG at the moment. Just Bayern. Oh. You can't trust PSG. Every time, every time they're playing a big game, they get beat. Can't trust them. Frank? Um, I go for Bayern because the two last games that I saw from Paris Saint-Germain, I can tell you, <laughs> that was pretty awful, you know, against Rennes and against Montpellier. I think some guys don't want to run. They don't play together. They go back to the bad PSG that we know, that we can see in, uh, in February, where people are starting missing because you see some uh, parties, birthday, carnival, and, uh, and some other stuff. And so, you know, like that, the spirit disappears and, uh, and they start losing in Champions League. Same scenario, and I'm sure the German will do the job. Well, can't, well, I can tell you, Frank, Bayern haven't been much better. Trust no, me. Not in league play, that is. No.
Raphael Varane has retired from his international uh, duty with France. Frank, I was wondering what you made of this. Were you surprised to see it or did you expect it? No, I'm very surprised because he did a show and talked about uh, the captaincy now. Uh, because uh, Lloris uh, gave up uh, also his, uh, his career internationally. So I th really thought that Rafael Van would step up and become the new captain. Um, it would be supposedly between him uh, and, uh, and Kylian Mbappé. Uh, but um, he's a very experienced player. He's, he's only 29. I think he could have played uh, like three, two, three more years at least. And uh, I would have served uh, the national team very well. Um, it's sad. It's sad, but I think he's, uh, he knows his body better than anybody else. He feels that he gets injured more and more. It's been his, uh, his, uh, his problem, his issues for, for the past year. So I think he wants to be really focused on what he has to do with his club. And uh, that's honorable for him, from him, but sad for the national team. What do you make of it? 29 years old, still obviously lots of trophies that this front side could win. It's quite young, isn't it, for a retirement? It used to be years ago that international football retired you. <laughs> mm. But now it seems to be <laughs> the sort of done thing that, you know, you just make a decision with the travel and your club football. You saw him at the end of the World Cup and the final he was out on his feet, really, an extra time. He had nothing left to give right at the end, I think, when they took him off. He was done. But, but yeah, it's... That's, that's his choice. I, I'd, uh, he's certainly good enough to still play. Man United will be happy. Do you understand it, Stevie? Absolutely, yeah. Particularly somebody who just from nowhere seems to pick up injuries. You know, he's not one of those guys that picks up injuries and he's out for five months. He, he just seems to pick things up and he's, and he's missing for three weeks and then he's back for four weeks and then he's out for another week. And, and when you get older... In most cases, you get injured more frequently. And so somebody who's had problems with, with injuries from nowhere, considering what he's already done, I, I think it's a smart move from Varane. I think it is. You know, he's already got a World Cup winner's medal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, does he really need another one? If you've you got, you got one, do you need two? Did you retire from international football? I did, yes. I did as well. <laughs> I retired, but it was, my, it was my old boy, my dad, who went, give it up. It's time. After one of the games, he went, it's time. <laughs> it's time <laughs> to hang them up. I'm serious. Yeah. So there was no answer to that. I couldn't say, oh, your dad's telling <laughs> well, you. Well, when your dad's telling you, yeah, that tells you well, something. Well, I was, I was a little bit older than that. Well, Frank, you weren't on yesterday's show. Uh, Julien Laurent was asked about his top five French centre-backs and he picked Raphael Varane as his number one. You actually weren't even in that top five, but don't worry, we defended you. Now, uh, omitted in this list is none other than no ego himself, Frank Lebeau. Yeah. I'm in. Number one in our hearts. Yes, that is a crime Number in this show. Number one in our hearts, Frank <laughs> It is a crime in this show that Frank LaBeouf is not included in the list. I am sure that you'll be getting a message soon. Can't believe you, Jules. I cannot believe you, Jules. Absolutely wow. no need for that. What? None. Unnecessary. What do you think of that, Frank? Ah, uh, you know what? Uh... I like the fact that Ali and Shaka try to uh, to uh, uh, help me out. Uh, and uh, but I just want to know if Julian was drunk when he made that list because really, really, 
uh, with all the names that I know, I would never have put me in that list because I'm too humble for pretending that I deserve <laughs> to be in that list. But I can name some other players. Varane and Blanc would have never been in that list because Dussay would be number one. Uh, yep. uh, Marius Trezor would be number two. But you have to put Basil Boli. You have to put Christian Lopez. You have to put Henri Michel. You, of course, have to put Maxime Bossis. So I think you say all-time best centre-back. I think Julian was born too, you know, too late to know about the history of centre-back, you know, in France. But definitely, Raphael Varane shouldn't belong to the list. And maybe Laurent Blanc shouldn't belong to that list. And definitely, I shouldn't belong to that list. Because you have some fantastic centre-backs in France. Um, in, the, um, in the time of Stevie was playing, you know, with, uh, with Henri Michel, Christian Lopez, Maxime Bossis, Marius Trezor, and then just after um, Basil Boli, fantastic players uh, alongside Marcel Desailly would definitely deserve to be in that list. But thank you guys for helping me out, but I don't deserve Basil, to be in that list. Basil Bolly, he could, he, he could put it around old Basil. He was a beast, wasn't was, he? He was an absolute... There was a big feeling that Desai should have been number one on that list yesterday. Yes, I think so. <laughs> so, Frank, let us put it Certainly to you then. Around. Would Would Jules make your top five pundits on ESPN FC? Oh, my top five pundits? Uh, no, no. Craig Bolly, number one. Could Jules make it? Craig Bradley number one. It's not very nice on Stevie, <laughs> but anyway. Me? Is Jules, oh, oh, what, what was your question? I thought what, Jules was a was a So journalist. Craig Bradley number one. Is, Jules is, is a journalist. Jules is a journalist. He's still a he's still a pundit on it though, right? On the show. Analyst. Okay, all analysts included. No, no, Julian, and Julian is not a pundit. Oh, well. Julian is no. not. All right, no, every Julian single person that appears and talks about football on this show, does Julian make your top five list? No, not now. Oh, of course not. Of course not. He wasn't a football player, <laughs> so he shouldn't talk about football. <laughs> no, but I think, I think the two guys that you have with UK today, and I will add Ali and Shaka, they're perfect. They're very perfect as pundits. Top three journalists on our show. Ralph Honigstein. He's not on it anymore. He's not on it anymore. Journals. I'll tell you what, I love, I love Marcella Journo. Oh, I love them. Yeah. So serious. Very important to the yeah. show. Give us a lot of insight. Yeah, when, when I, missed, I must have missed that. Extra time will be coming up a little later. Alessandro Del Piero, Craig and Stevie will be answering your questions. Make sure to check it out on the YouTube account. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. In La Liga, Barcelona are five points clear of Real Madrid at the top of the table. It's going to be an interesting weekend as Barca take on Sevilla. And that will do it for us here in the studio. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you again tomorrow. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Craig and Stevie here. Alessandro Del Piero as well. We've been talking about Craig's nice jacket and tie combo today. Go on. He doesn't like it. doesn't like it. Stevie doesn't like <laughs> Stevie doesn't like it. He wasn't attracted to the, the colours and the, the... I never said I didn't like it. I just wouldn't have bought it. Well, we know that. Is, that diff- <laughs> is, that a, is there a difference? Can we ask the Italian? Because they usually have the word Oh, the Italians fashion. know about fashion. What do you think, Ali? Craig's outfit. See- I don't see very well, to be honest, but um, for sure I know that Steve sings very well. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ali. Singing. Oh, this one. Singing before this. All right, first question right, is Let's go. for Alessandro. What is the way forward for Serie A to become competitive again with other top leagues? The clubs are not doing well financially and not being able to retain or compete for talent. Ideas. Ideas for sure. Ideas way to play football, passion, characteristic that always belong to the Italian football. And that actually we have a, an incredible example with Napoli because they played probably the best football in Europe, let me say that. And uh, they are ready to perform and beat anyone for five, six goals. Five, five, five goals, six goals, four goals. So <laughs> it's a it's powerful moment for Napoli, it's a magic moment, but they show that through idea, through passion, through the way to play football. Craig, are you going to follow in Gareth Bale's footsteps and retire from the soccer world and enter the pro golf world? Hey, I'm retired from the soccer world. I just don't. <laughs> like... Soccer completely. Oh, TV? Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I think there's a, might be a people, a lot of people would like to think that. I would love to see that. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people would love to see that. (laughs) But uh, no, I wouldn't. I mean, to be honest with you, he's got some stomach to play in that um, uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Am because Stevie will tell you about my chipping. Right, Ah. I'm I'm a low handicapper, right? And 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 TT Green putting. However, my chipping is. Suspect. Now, if there was a few thousand people there, <laughs> so I would, I, I, I would get quite nervous about that. Well, the funny thing is, right? If you added the nerves onto his chipping, because right now when he's playing an air course, he's not. You're not nervous, right? So when you're not nervous, and from nowhere, you can zing it right, off, right off the, right off the heel, it's not right the, off the bottom. Not the strongest from absolutely part. nowhere. Can you imagine if you actually were under pressure? So, yeah, I think that would hold you back. Would you like Jack. that life? What do you mean? Pro golfer. I've got that. He's <laughs> <laughs> talking about, I'm playing 150 times. Oh, sorry, did I say that? I mean, no, I'm just working hard, you know, I'm working hard. Working hard, hardly working. No, I'm okay. 
If Liverpool called up Stevie tomorrow as an interim manager to help them finish in the top four, how would he go about achieving that target? I don't think I could. <laughs> I don't think I could. But if you had to get you in there, where, get, where do you start? Listen, you could go and get Pep from Man, from Man City for the rest of the season and we wouldn't get in the top four. Listen, at the end of the day, well, we, right, we, right, we right. can talk about... After the Wolves game, you said it would all turn oh, around. Oh, I saw oh, that. Right. I'm we, we can I talk watched about... the programme, that's what you said. Look, there's no question that if you have a great coach or a manager, whatever you want to call it, it absolutely helps you big time. But the bottom line is, the coaches don't head the ball, they kick the ball. You know, the coaches help and they give ideas and they try and point you in the right direction and they try and motivate you and all of these things. But at the end of the day, it's the players that you have on the field that have to produce it. And if you have players on the field that are not capable of it, I don't care how good a coach you are, it's not happening. And right now, what Liverpool have on the field isn't good enough to be in the top four. Highly optimistic answer there from Stevie it's Nichol. Just, it's realistic is what it is. All right. It's a realist. You've got to understand that. On a Friday. Speak, speaking about being a realist, although it's interesting because I know you've all got thoughts on Napoli right now. Alessandra, what chance do you give a, a Serie A club to win the Champions League in the next five years? Thank you for the question. It puts me in trouble. Uh, we have a chance because I believe, and the history say that, that Italy in general and Italian clubs, they show their best in the most difficult moment. So why not? Why not? Why cannot happen? I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot of work, to be honest, yes. But uh, several teams are growing. Napoli is growing. Milan, beside the moment, is growing. Inter is still, still there. Juventus need to fix a couple of problems, let's say like this. Uh, but they have, a, they have a, the spirit to do it. So why not? Uh, Roma won the EuroLeague last year, and nobody bet on Roma. So why not? There's not many teams play. I mean, you've set very high today. So. <laughs> I feel like you're looking down on me <laughs> again. <laughs> but you know, actually, but look, but look, PSG. You mentioned Napoli the other day, though. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, PSG are not playing well at the moment. Bayern are not playing well at the moment. Man City. I am. Man City. I've obviously got Haaland, but they're not playing as well as they were. I'm thinking of all the teams. If it continues like that, I think Napoli have got a strong chance, for sure. This that, honestly, the problem is, as big a chance as Napoli might have this year, they, they could start next year without Osiman, for example. Yeah. You know, they, they're doing so well that generally all the teams with money were looking at the Premier League uh, and Madrid and Barcelona and Spain. They give a certain amount of money that the clubs can't say no to. And then unfortunately, they have to start again. I mean, I hope that doesn't happen to Napoli, but the odds are that that's exactly what's going to happen. The money's going to come and take all the best guys away and then they're going to try and replace them and then they'll be just a step down from where they were and then the same thing happens the next year and then they go further down. I mean, it's just... It's tough to see how the Italian sides get out of the rut they're in right now 
because as soon as somebody does well, somebody comes and buys them. Do you agree with that, Ale? And I'm just interested to know if it's Napoli that you would see winning it first out of all the Italian clubs right now. Well, Napoli has a good chance. I mean, as you say, guys, I mean, they play better than anyone. So why not? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great magical moment for them. And, uh, and I have to agree with, uh, with what you say again. And the, the problem in Italia is that, in Italy, is that if you do well, somebody comes from outside and buy you. So this is probably what, what's going to happen with, uh, with Ozyman. It's a, it's, a, it's a big chance. There's a lot already rumors about his moving at the end of the year. So it's going to be tough. But, uh, you know, again, there's, there's other ways to, to do great football and to pursue the, the dream. Is the Premier League spending the problem here? Do you, do you think there should be a concern about that when it comes to trying to win the Champions League? Well, listen, I saw... I, look. Every league has to take care of its own business. There's no doubt the Premier League has marketed itself better than any other league. That was the starting point years ago. And then it has snowballed from there. But but listen, it's all very well Tebas in Spain complaining and, 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 and all this. But years and years ago, Italy was the place to go. And Italy used to come in and pilfer all the best players from you know, South America and uh, Britain. That was, you know, Juve and Milan and all these teams. That was the place to go. And then it was Spain. But by the way, uh, talking about spending money, you know, who was that team that paid, I don't know, who was that team that paid 150 million or so for that guy from Liverpool? Coutinho. Coutinho, Barcelona. You know what I mean? So, I mean, Spain and Real Madrid and Barcelona have done it for years to other teams. It's just that a lot of teams in England have the ability. I mean, even talking about Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, they could go and spend 30, 40 million easily. Now, years ago, they would never have been able to do that. But because of the TV revenue, they can. But that's, that's the other league's problems to try and fix, I think. For Ale, will it be a successful season if Juve finish seventh and manage to win the Coppa Italia considering their recent misfortunes? Well, I consider the position now, it's something that I'm not going to call a successful season, but uh, something that can be a nice season. Because, you know, winning a title is always winning a title, but finish seven is, you know, Juve fans, everybody think, you know, you need to arrive now, at this moment, at least four. They still believe it. They still believe it. So they have a team to do it. It's going to be a long run, yes. Everything's going to have to be perfect from now on, yes. But this is the way. So uh, no successful season, finish seven and win the Coppa Italia, but ninth season. Last question for all of you. Stevie, I'll start with you. What's the best stadium atmosphere that you've experienced as a player or other? Wembley. Cup final. What year was that? Uh, well, I was lucky I played there a few times. Scotland, England game. Oh, so every time at Wembley, you're just saying? Well, every time, every time we played at Wembley, it was full. And the walk 
from the dressing room through the tunnel, when you come out, there's just a wall of noise, it's just a deafening noise all at once. But you just, the, the, it's never been replicated really anywhere. Listen, you don't Anfield, get that now. no, well you don't get that now because it's, it's completely different. But, you know, Anfield, Old Trafford, you know, Rome. I mean, all these places have fantastic atmospheres, but just there was nothing like the Wembley walk coming out at the end and just a wall of noise hitting you. Nothing like that. Well, I, I, I commentated in a Milan derby at the San Siro about 10 years ago, and that was a pr that was when Mourinho was in charge. Uh, and there was a... Cr I mean, that was a brilliant atmosphere, I have to say, uh, even though it's kind of... San Siro's a kind of old stadium, but it was still fantastic. Old Firm would be one, Celtic Rangers games that I played in, but I agree with Stevie, having played at Wembley several times, you know, uh, FA Cup finals, but more so the, the Scotland-England Euro... Uh, Euro 2000 playoff that uh, when we beat England 1-0 at Wembley but Paul Scholes had scored two at Hamden that was a great atmosphere uh, coming out there so yeah the old Wembley walking up when you can just see the whole uh, pitch and stadium and hear the noise because it's about what's it about 70, 80 yard walk to get out into the tunnel from the tunnel there maybe not Aye. quite as far as that great atmosphere though and then they went and spoiled it built this new stadium. All these stadiums, I was watching all these, there's a guy on social media posts pictures of all these old stadiums around Europe, particularly in Britain though. And some of these old grounds, they've just got so much character to them. Well, you, you could, if somebody, if somebody dropped you out of a helicopter, right, and you parachuted down, you used to be able to tell what grounds you were in. You know, like, like Fulham, for example, with the cottage. Right. You know, the old Derby County. I mean, even Goodison still today, Anfield, Chelsea, the old Chelsea. You know, you knew where you were. Now, a lot of these stadiums, the only reason you know where you are is because of the colours. Because it's all it all looks the same, it's all kind of built the same. It's just, everything looks similar. There's no real character. There's no real character about the majority. I would pay stadium. to see you been parachuted in somewhere. <laughs> I would pay. I would pay to see that. What about you, Ale? What's the best stadium atmosphere that you've experienced? Kate, I have a long list. I have a really long <laughs> list because I'm mixing with the, the the feeling and of course what happened, you know, during my career in Italy for sure, San Siro in Milano, Marassi in Genova, incredible atmosphere, and, and Torino, the new stadium in Torino, Juventus Stadium is, is amazing. And then I've been traveling around the world, I mean, Santiago Bernabeu is, it's massive, it's unique, but also San Mamés in Spain is something that I experience incredible feelings. And then back in England, Old Trafford for sure, Anfield, amazing, Anfield is out of control, and the both Celtic Parks and Ibrox in, in Glasgow when I played there was absolutely stunning. I mean, I love it. But then some James's Park in Newcastle as well. And, and, and Dortmund Stadium in, in, in Germany. Unbelievable. Uh, I can go on and on. But I'm finished here. Okay, one thing I want to say though is Dan and I were both at the Santiago Bernabeu Alley and I think it was 2008 
when you were one of the few players in history who was given an ovation by the Real Madrid fans. What was that like? Well, I can't show you, but I still have a goosebump. You know, when you grow up in Italy, but everybody around the world, when you think about Santiago Bernabeu, is their stadium. Real Madrid is their team. It's something that it's huge. Uh, so, so when you have a chance to play there, it's already something amazing. But the stadium looks uh, tough. It's, it was back in, in back in the time was ninety five hundred thousand people can go inside. So when you have a chance, and that game was unique. I scored two goals. We won, and uh, we. I, I was facing with you so many times. Ramadid, we were battled so many times that I think was was unbelievable what happened and all the time that I have a possibility I thank the the Real Madrid fans because of that because they give me they give me something special for for that day very nice very nice memories as well but right. you and Dan will we? <laughs> we were lo- we were loving it it was always good when you saw an ovation because you don't see that much I think it was no. like no. Iniesta, what, what Ronaldinho. Is what is that? What's when they, when they, oppo- when they, when the home. What's an ovation? What's an ovation? Oh, boy. Give us Didn't sleep well last night. Ale, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And we'll see you again soon here on ESPN FC. Thanks for sending in your questions to Extra Time as well. And right over my head that Oh, went right over, flying over. 100 mile an hour. Bosh. Chris Waddle style. That cap. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 